Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans and is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you'd call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to show you how we do the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2022 MLB offseason lockout. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Alex and I coming at you live. It is January 25th, Tuesday, just hours after the baseball writers have announced the 2022 Hall of Fame inductees. And Mm -hmm. it's only one guy. It is one. Mr. Big Poppy, David Ortiz. Uh, Only guy on the ballot this year that got in. And of course, I think me and Alex were expecting this one or zero guys getting in and uh poppy alex i think he was trending to have the best odds if you had to make some sort of vote or uh if you had to make some sort of bet uh i think most people were leaning that way because of just i I think the credentials he has the stats that he put up and then also what he meant to the city of boston also what he was um what he was able to do in the playoffs too but Initial thoughts on, I guess, the, the, the I guess what happened today and on David Ortiz, uh, you know, thoughts on him getting in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so my initial thought is that he completely deserves to be a Hall of Famer. Um, I think that goes without question. I mean, if you make it in the first ballot, there was kind of no shot of you ever not making it. You know, like there was no world where the writers, you know, didn't agree with you. Uh, we said yes. We said on our last episode, Travis, we were saying how... He's one of the best, at least like best three, best two DHs of all time. Definitely. Uh, and if you're that high up on your position, like all time leaderboard, then how can you not be a Hall of Famer? So it makes sense that he uh, is in the Hall of Fame now. Uh, what I do want to kind of ca- have a caveat is I'll just say that it is very surprising that I guess the way that the baseball writers have, you know, factored in his, you know, th- he has a PED, you know, little blemish and it was, you know, never served a suspension and never, you know, the test was supposed to be private. And he denies that he tested a uh, positive um, for any, or say that he did, he did any uh, you know, illegal substances, but um, his name was on a list amongst A-Rod, amongst Manny, amongst, uh, you know, other Sammy Sosa, uh, Barry Bonds and stuff like that. So uh, it, it is very interesting to me how he gets in on the first ballot and then other guys who had more productive careers i would say because they played positions like barry bonds and you know other a rod and stuff like that have gotten a had a lot more trouble climbing the ladder so travis i want to ask you a question yeah if a rod or uh barry bonds were had the personality of big poppy do you think that they are first ballot hall of famers voted in by the by the baseball writers and that's a good question because i think that they probably definitely are um i know that there is kind of some comments today that were saying you know personality has a big thing to do about it everybody i feel like loves big poppy um you look at his career uh just kind of being a class act on the field uh and also a winner uh, and i think that 
honestly, sometimes it's it's the voters looking at a personality and looking at the kind of person you are. And hey, this guy's this guy's pretty nice to that to us. You know, this guy, the media is probably thinking this guy does not. He was really beloved us, in his career. He, he he doesn't really give crap to us. Uh, the fans love him. He's he's you know a fan favorite in Boston. Uh, he's a good guy. And so I think that honestly plays a big role. Um, and I think with Bonds and A-Rod, you look at guys that might have been sort of jerks to the media. And then I think I think with A-Rod, it just was uh, the multiple suspensions. And then with Bonds, it was the way he treated um the way he treated the media and a lot of times, but you know what? I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get down or judge someone harshly for, you know, being kind of this bad boy kind of guy. I mean, honestly, the media could be an absolute joke at times too, you know, printing false things about certain players. I think bonds, I think what really hurt him was passing bond, passing Ruth, passing Aaron. I think, I, I think that night when he passed Aaron, Hank Aaron had a message on the video board saying, congrats, you're the new home run King. And I think like, baseball writers and historians and i guess people that respected the game just had this huge like pit in their stomach as being this guy is like a complete disgrace like he cheated this great american baseball classic hank aaron and babe ruth um out of their records pretty much or you know being in the top two so i I, it's funny someone even said today if bonds would have hit 710 home runs would he be in the Hall of Fame? And a lot of people said, I, I think to, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. I was about to ask you the same thing. Yeah. If, if 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 a guy like Bonds is a bit nicer and hits a few less home runs, it almost would have increased his chances. And I also was going to think, what if Big Poppy hit 800 home runs yeah. and he was just kind of like a mean guy to like Yankees fans or something? Like maybe, you know, his case changes too. It's, it's very interesting. And it's kind of unfortunate to me that like – one you're thing, almost too good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, one thing that one thing that has really been illuminated from this voting is that the voters really fail to remove their bias. Like mm-hmm. uh, they have their own personal thoughts about these players, and they've been covering the sport for decades. Yeah. So it makes sense that why they have these opinions of them in their head. But they can't help but you know let those opinions influence. You know, if you don't like the guy. That shouldn't be what that that, that shouldn't Mm -hmm. matter in terms of does he belong in this you know historic museum where we commemorate the best players ever? Um, Barry Bonds, in my mind at least, is of course one of the best players ever, and yes, he does have you know this this tarnish to his name, but you know uh, if you're gonna have his his helmet when he hit the the go ahead home run to have the record, you have that in the Hall of Fame, and you're gonna count that record, but you're you're gonna say he doesn't belong in that room with all the plaques what's the difference? Like he's in the hall of fame with all his achievements, but he, you're not putting his plaque in there. It just seems very petty to me on the writers. Um, a lot of voters even said, uh, that, you know, you have, you can either have one or the other, you can have the hall of fame and immortality in Cooperstown, or you can have the record. And I think they said, okay, fine, you can have the record, but you're not going to have Cooperstown at all. And so it's kind of a, it is kind of a weird thing to say, um, you know, judging all this, I think for me, I just get, I think most upset when I see some of these ballots and, you know, in my mind, if, if you're voting for bonds and this is how I think, honestly, if you're voting for bonds and you're voting for Clemens, in my opinion, I think you have to put a vote down for Manny. I think you have to put a vote down for A-Rod. I think you have to put a vote down for Sheffield and Sosa. I, that's just the way I think. I think that all four or all those guys, I think five or six guys are all superstars. They're all a part of just insane insane milestone groupings of only a few other players have done what they've ever done and so i know we discussed in the last podcast manny you know without steroids is probably still a very good player but 
does he have 500 home runs? Probably not. Uh, I think same thing with, she uh, with Sheffield. Uh, you know, he probably would not have 500 home runs. So then he'd be, of course, down in the 400. And then a guy like, you know, Fred McGriff is... Uh, if he did steroids, he'd be in the 500 club. Exactly. So, I mean, he, it's crazy got to pick these battles. And I mean, I think a lot of voters are also just so happy to kind of like get this class, I feel like, out of the way. But then I, I saw a tweet today and someone said... 10 years of bonds is up but now we have nine more years of a rod so it's kind of yeah. just like now the a rod debate will happen and maybe if a rod continues to be this nicer guy on fox you know world series pregame shows with frank thomas and david ortiz he'll be the only non-hall of fader hall of famer out of that group so maybe he gets a little bit nicer or something like that um we could see his vote kind of rising 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 and maybe yeah maybe he somehow sneaks in uh and Maybe in that time, that's when the Veterans Committee will say, okay, Bonds, Clemens, you guys are all in as well. So they can maybe get one giant big, I don't I would say steroid class, but like get this huge class of, you know, guys that are either getting in really late in the 10 years or Veterans Committee. But um, really interesting kind of way that they went about today. Everything I've seen uh, is pointing to the fact that, you know, Bonds and Clemens and Schilling too are, go you know, those are, those are the guys that are, you know. Yeah removed from the ballot they're and all, also sosa yeah sosa is as well i'm not sure if he's going to be able to do this but those other three guys are going to have like these extended battles on different veterans committees yeah there's something called like a i forget what it's called like a modern players committee or like a today's players i forget what it's called but like i don't know i don't know what that committee is but i think they literally vote in december for like a for like part they of do. the this is the next next committee december and then of course the next december as well yeah so uh i'm interested to see and, and i guess it's a, it's a it's a 12 person um it's a 12 person committee and you still have to get 75% of the vote. So okay. I don't know what it is really made of. I know you really hope that like a few of those guys in there like you because like yeah, four yeah. guys just hate you and you're kind of you're going to be screwed. And I, and I think today earlier I was listening to uh, Bob Costas on Elmwe Network and he was a part of the committee for like three years one time. And, you know, it's he, he said it's just an interesting group of people. And I, he didn't really see any names who was a part of it. But I really wonder what kind of selection process it is to make this committee. And then, of course, you bring up these kind of guys. I don't see Bonds or Clemens probably getting in until probably, honestly, the next five years. I don't think they're going to get in on the next Veterans Committee. I think right. a lot of these guys wait. I mean, you look at the Veterans Committee this year. I mean, it's sad to say, but, you know, four of the six guys are are passed away already, you know. And so it, it, it guys sometimes have to wait 20-something years. And so... We might be looking at the 2040 ballot and Bonds is getting in. So, And I'll say this, Travis. If Barry Bonds, you know, unfortunately, knock on wood, passes away and yeah. then they put him in, I'm going to be so upset. Like, that would you be, guys, yeah. like, it, it, it's this very classic baseball writers to like, oh, now we're going to get sentimental about it. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. We, we made a mistake exactly. and we're going to put him in. It's like, please just, yeah, it's like, say it with your chest if you're going to put him in or don't. But like, yeah, uh, yeah at the end of the day, Travis, uh, we discussed all our reasonings last year. I just saw a few like interesting stats about Bonds today on Twitter that I'm just going to shout out because uh, there were a lot of ones, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I just have to kind of say a couple because social media was in such an outcry about Bonds. I was surprised that he had that much positive response from like uh, like new media, like social media. Um, so here's a, one interesting stat. Uh, David Ortiz, and this is not meant at all. It may come off like that, but it's not meant at all to like downplay Ortiz because like I said, I think he completely deserves to be a Hall of Famer. He was on my ballot. I, I picked him. I think he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But his career on base percentage is 380. If you took Barry Bonds' career on base percentage and you turned all of his home runs into outs, he'd be at 384. It's higher than which, Nick Poppy. Which is, which is a really crazy 
stat. <laughs> still, still Hall of Fame worthy, practically. Yeah. And then uh, another interesting stat is that. Uh, and the, I think from that, I I saw that Big Poppy's career is three eighty, and Bonds is three eighty four. Correct. Right. Yeah. 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 It's three eighty four for Bonds if you turned all his home runs yeah. into outs. So it's still is, higher on base than Big Poppy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and the difference between Barry Bonds's career WAR. And Big Poppy's career war is equal to A Rod's career war. Wow! So pretty much, you put A Rod's career war and Ortiz's career war together, and you get Bonds's total. Well, so yeah. it really shows how how you know a special player Bonds was. He will never escape that image of being the face of steroids, and that's just something he yeah. unfortunately will have to you know bear for the rest of his life. Uh, I I wonder I wonder you know I wonder I don't think he regrets it. I I think that he. Uh, feels comfortable in the fact that he did what he did uh in order to catch up to his peers who were also cheating so um yeah i think that's just the way it is it's such a like that quote you said i think it was last episode about bob gibson saying thank god i never had to make these decisions yeah. uh, about in this era and it's just i mean it's an, it's an era where you have a chance to be the greatest yeah and then you yeah. see people getting ahead of you and you're just saying well and, what's this about and you want to be the best competitor out there i mean i totally get that i mean who doesn't want to be the greatest player of all time and you know have an edge like that um i i it's some some of those things i, I always kind of enjoy hearing but also it, it kind of makes it doesn't make a lot of sense when i you know i think it was roger clemens i think his trainer actually came out and testified and said i was pumping roger with steroids for a number of years or, or performance enhancing drugs and then of course roger comes out and says i knew nothing about that when it's you know it, I, I mean i feel like it's kind of it's kind of a weird topic where it's like okay you don't know what your trainer's putting inside you but right. maybe that's the case maybe the trainer's lying to you maybe he's trying to like you know get you in trouble but he he knows exactly he's what's your secret going enemy on. um and also yeah and, and i think some people also said with uh the case for bonds and clemens is that you know these peds or um you know alleged peds it's it's uh it's, you know, you look at some of these, you know, dog days of summers, you know, late July, August days where, you know, people are just honestly just mentally and physically drained with baseball. Um, and a lot of these guys are saying, you know, with the PEDs, uh, you know, this is this is a way to get kind of a bump and this is a way to get a little bit of a boost back in your. Uh, I think it really quickens your recovery time after games. And exactly. Stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, that that's one reason why they're saying it honestly is a way of cheating, because, you know, in you know, you look at Mike Trout, you know every august or every you know late july mike trout might go in a two three week kind of you know he's probably batting 260 but you know he'll get right back into it in, in september and finish you know stronger than ever but every every normal player will get into a three week kind of just bind in the summer sometime but these guys of course are just you know different freak animals when it comes to you know putting some of the things in the body i mean one thing that is clear and apparent barry bonds definitely changed his physique oh yeah from, that, from year five to year 15 there, so there, there's no denying that yeah. and, and the one thing i also just add to kind of finish up the topic my final thought i guess is that um you know my personal thought is i don't see all steroid users as equal just because yeah. sammy sosa and manny ramirez and even alex rodriguez and name anyone else you want when they did steroids they didn't put up bonds numbers no. only bonds did bonds exactly. numbers on this on the steroids so yeah i i personally think it's unfortunate he's not getting in he does have a chance to get in the future let's just hope it's not you know some posthumous uh you know excuse they give you know in, in a few decades from now uh you know let's hope that the writers you know stick to whatever they think is best and either way he has tons of artifacts in the hall of fame from his career and you know 
one day Travis will go visit that and we'll we'll see all the other stuff he did, but his plaque won't be there. Um, Travis, let's keep going with some of the other uh, players that made lots of gains on the ballot. Some players made some big losses on the ballot. Yeah. Some guys are off the ballot, so let's talk about that. Yeah, and uh, first I'll cover, of course, the four guys that were in the last year of voting, and that is Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, and Kurt Schilling. So uh, Bonds and Clemens actually uh, went up. Uh, Bonds, I think, went up. I think it was almost about 4%. He got to 66%. He needs 75, of course, to get in. Bonds got to 66. Clemens got to 652 Uh Kurt Schilling got to 58.6. He actually went down. Uh, right. Probably close to 13, 14%. I, I think his comments after not getting in last year almost cemented his case, kind of saying, put me on the veterans committee already. I don't want to talk to you writers yep. anymore. So yep. that, that kind of iced it in my mind. I Definitely. Think. And the most shocking one, I mean, this is the one that I just kind of get upset about. And I actually, well, sometimes I feel like defend him and Sammy Sosa, 18.5% of the vote he got in year 10. Um, I, I really want to ask people why they vote so high on bonds and Clemens. And I, don't, I just don't know where Sosa falls with some of these people because yeah. I mean, you look at Sosa and he put together three seasons of 60 or more home runs in a season. I'm looking from 98 to 2002, Alex. It's a five-year span. He's an all-star every year. Uh, top 10 MVP finishes, of course. Silver sluggers every single year. Five-year span, Alex. 292 home runs in five years. 306 batting average, a 397 on base, and a 649 slugging. That's about almost a 1050 OPS with a 167 OPS plus. Just an insane hitter, an insane home run hitter. And also the RBIs, five years and 705 RBIs in that time as well. So I, I just feel like for me, Sosa gets kind of a weird bad rap that I don't understand because I mean some of these ballots you look at today. You know, I mean they, they they skip over some Hall of Fame guys. And I was on board with you last time in the last episode when you were saying I'm voting for Bonds, Clemens, and A Rod and Sosa because without steroids, these guys are probably all hitting 500 something home runs. Yeah. But without Manny and without Sheffield, these it's, guys are probably down it, to 400. It's borderline. And Sosa also had some, a bit of a defensive component to his game as exactly. well. Not an elite defender, but you know was out there. You know he was quick and over um, 230 stolen bases. So still had a of right. course good speed in his earlier days but um it, it definitely i would i would like to ask those voters that say you know bonds and clemens okay what about the rest of them that, that that's my big take on that I, I just get i see some ballots where they leave off a bunch of these guys and um yeah i, I kind of want to ask you know what's the difference i know bonds of course difference i mean bonds is literally two superstars put together i feel like into one body and yeah he you know you can i wish look wish a lot I, sh I showed you I showed you a stat I think on Twitter uh, in DMs and it was literally cutting Bonds' career in half. Like I think it was ninety five was like the middle it's like point. First ten something years. His, yeah. his first half of his career he was like a like a sixty war guy. And this, he was a whole famer. And yeah. the next the next half was an eighty war player. Yeah. So it's like what it's like it, it's just another another level truly. But so so you know in his own right I think eighteen percent or whatever it was is 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 really head scratching at yeah, least yeah and it, it puts a weird it's a it's a weird thing to think about but just i mean it, it, it's it's terrible to say but you know bonds plays 12 years and then let's just say is done from the game from a freak injury from you know death or anything like that he's probably a hall of famer yeah he but he, then he, he he continues to play 10 more years and then it's just you know he's not a hall of famer so there's a chance that he makes it or doesn't make it if he retired as a as 
instead of getting traded to the Giants, if he just, you know, retired as a Pittsburgh Pirate, he would have had, I think, like two or three less war than Poppy's career, which is just like... he would have had like three MVPs. Three MVP, a bunch of gold gloves, uh, five-tool player. You know, you made the playoffs, didn't win it, but uh, you definitely would have gotten, I think, tons of credit. You would have gotten, I think, just as much credit as you did after shattering, you know, baseball records and, uh, and, uh, you know, getting accused of steroids, of course. So definitely, definitely. So that kind of at least sums up the guys that were the 10th years on the ballots, um, for the baseball, uh, hall of fame, I guess. So, uh, I guess what we'll do is also sum up the players that, uh, fell short as well. And there was actually quite a lot of first years that fell short. So I'll kind of start, of course, in the first column. Um, of course we had bonds and Clemens. Uh, the next guy up was Carl Crawford. Uh, first year he got, uh, nil. He got, Oh really? He got zero N- votes. No so, votes. uh, 0.0% of the votes. It's okay. Carl, uh, we, we, we remember your good moments. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and by, right next to him was uh first year Prince Fielder only got a half of 1% of the votes. So again, uh, slim, uh, margin right there. I was, I was looking at Prince Fielder as a guy that honestly could get close. I actually thought he would have got five percent just for the respect level but i, he, I guess he, he was beloved but he, he the, was he was the definitely. career ended up getting a lot shorter than people and, probably and, liked and what sucked is of course the whole um i think it was neck injuries he just had terrible neck injuries to end his career and of course had to step away because of injuries which you know is always something you hate to see but he was a beloved guy uh father was cecil who played for the detroit tigers so um thought he would have got some love from the media right there but did not um next guy below him that was eliminated was uh ryan howard uh philly slugger he got two percent of the vote and then right below him um was tim hudson and tim hudson actually it was his uh second year on the ballot and i think he he of course got five percent somewhere probably uh, slimly above five percent last year probably as a more of a respect factor and then this year fell down to three percent so think, i think this year there are some guys who were their second year in the ballot and they were at serious risk because so many big names were added this yep, year yep. that if you were barely made it last year you might lose some of those votes definitely definitely and then kind of going back down to some of the other first years you had lincecum morneau and nathan nathan actually one of the highest of the first years years um that did not make it he actually had a 4.3 so almost just a handful of votes away yeah just got to five percent which i we talked about and i actually voted for him on the hall of fame i thought that he possibly i didn't think he was going to get in at all this year but i thought that definitely he would have gotten i would think in six percent just for maybe the factor of i feel like relievers were kind of building up momentum to Right. You know, in the next five, 10 years, we could start looking at relievers as a serious threat for the Hall of Fame. Whereas 10 years ago, if your name's not Mariano Rivera or Trevor Hoffman, no shot or, you know, no shot. I mean, Raleigh Fingers is another example. He's in the Hall of Fame. But um, yeah, going down the list again, also uh, Papelbon, 1.3, Jake PV, zero as well, like Carl Crawford. And then AJ Pazinski, 0.5%. So he actually tied Fielder for votes, which. To me, I just, I just, that was a head scratcher. I, I mean, AJ, AJ is a good player, but I mean, I, I did not expect him to have the same level of impact as Fielder and have a bigger impact than PV and Crawford. So, kind of taking through some of those uh, first year votes that were, uh, of course, off the ballot now. Yeah, I think Perzinski is in an interesting spot where he has some level of fan favoriteness. I think, I don't know for sure, but I can only assume the people that voted for him were Chicago. You know, diehard fans, White Sox fans, of course, um, was a big part of their 05 team, which is, I think, every Chicago White Sox fan Drop just third strike. Just, I, I know, I know. <laughs> I, we, we, won't, we won't hassle the listeners with that one this time, but uh, he 
was a big part of that 05 team. And I think the White Sox fans hold that 05 team so dearly to their hearts. It's just like their most precious thing. I think it'd probably be comparable to if like Travis, if you had a vote and you voted for like, I don't even know, like Stassi, like, like, uh, David Fletcher. <laughs> no, no. I was thinking of like the O two, the O two team. Like I'm yeah. trying to think of who would the comp be like maybe Spezio. It's like, if you go to for Spezio, yeah, like just comp. give him two votes or whatever. And like, even though he's probably not a hall of fame numbers wise. Yeah. Um, but, but I would say Przinsky had like a decent war on him, had some good catcher seasons, but yeah, I agree. Had no business getting out of the first year, no business being over 5%. So it makes sense that he fell, you know, below 1%. Uh, I'll go ahead and also add that Joe Nathan, Travis, I did not vote for him on my ballot, but I did say that if I had more votes, I would have voted for him. Yeah. Um, the 10 man limit in my mind is something that should be reconsidered. Uh, because if someone's a Hall of Famer, they're a Hall of Famer. How come you're telling me I can't vote for someone if I think that they are? So, uh, Joe Nathan is one of the best closers certainly of the 2000s uh some of his travis peak numbers like the era plus numbers for the career and in the peak seasons are some of the best you'll find really was second to mariano rivera's Definitely. uh you know Mar- Mar- mariano's just 1a of all closers and there was a good period of time where uh, nathan was 1b uh and i actually saw an industry stat today too that was saying you know they looked at relief pitchers specifically closers with um, I think it was 900, it was 900 uh, innings, innings pitched. pitched yeah. And I think maybe they threw in 300, 300 or more saves. Uh, I think maybe it could have been like a 150 ERA plus or higher or something like it, that. It, it was, it was looking at ERA plus, but it was Mariano Rivera, Billy Wagner, then Joe Nathan. So it was like, he is one of the best yep. closers of all time. Yeah. And, you when, know, which if just, you've. If you throw 900 innings, you know, it's going to be hard to get above him. You know? Exactly. Exactly. So that, that's one thing I looked at in factor. And I was like, man, that's just that, that kind of sucks because you look at from 2003 to practically 2014. Nathan is putting up, you know, 65 plus innings almost every single year. So um, he's definitely got some inning workloads. But I think actually the beginning of his career being a starter really helped put up that number for mm-hmm. 900 innings. Pitched. Yes. Um, that's actually something I didn't really think about when it, when you look at the 900 innings. Uh, he got about 23 innings above the 900 limit. So, uh, but those those years hurt his career ERA plus. So yeah, you're right. It, it kind of is helps and hurts. Very true. So it, it kind of bounces out into still him being one of the best closers of the generation Very for true. sure. Uh, almost like the big poppy thing, Travis. We said if he's the best second or third best DH ever, he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. yeah. Nathan, I think Travis is a good case. Uh, may sound kind of weird, but like. For my closer, I want high ERA plus. I don't care about you know being like a Raleigh Fingers who throws like so many innings. Yeah. I'll just take the high one inning. What can you do? He's probably like a top ten closer for me of all time. Yeah. And for yeah. me, if you're top ten at your position, I don't know why you wouldn't be a Hall of Famer. So exactly. I, I we're in agreement that really sad to see him not make it and have a chance to build on his you know future case. Unfortunately, Travis, I think one and done guys have a pretty low chance of like getting in like on a committee at least i think nathan's committee shots i think it'd be kind of low and that's really yeah it's unfortunate because uh i wish he got more momentum here on the ballot um i I would definitely say you're right with that i do not think there's any shot at all for these guys to build any momentum in some sort of veterans committee so in order for like a one a one and done guy to get that committee recognition they're gonna have to go talk to like lofton and Edmonds first and then come back to these guys and think about them very true and and looking back at those guys again just Makes a complete no devastation yeah. in, in my opinion for those guys um going down the list again more uh we covered Schilling, covered sosa um and then also last for the first year guys mark Teixeira only receiving 1.5 percent of yeah. the vote so i think we were pretty comfortable with a lot of these guys of course not being hall of famers 
Um, I was looking at some of these guys as being, you know, uh, you know, closer to 5%, but some guys, I think, I think most, you know, voters were just looking and saying, well, is to share, would he ever be a hall of famer? And they were saying, absolutely not. It's like, okay, then I'm not going to vote for him at all. So, um, and I think this year there was a lot of controversial picks and, um, with having kind of the four big dogs on their last year in the voting, I think that already took away four votes for a lot of people. And then they had to, of course, made a lot of, make a lot of picks when it came to big poppy, Helton, Kent, Jones, some of these other guys that are, you know, creeping up past five years. But, um, that goes over kind of the uh, guys that are, of course, will not be on the ballot next year. So there's really a good variety of guys that will not be on this ballot next year. Alex, now if you want to move over, we'll cover to the guys that will, of course, be on the 2023 ballot. These are guys that, of course, are either first years or just about almost done with their 10th year um, on the ballot. So kind of covering the first uh column as we did in the last episode. Four guys made it from the first column. Bobby Abreu, who's in his third year. Mark Burley, who's in his second year, Todd Helton, who's in his fourth year, and Torrey Hunter, is who's in his second year, as well as Burley. Um, Abreu went down, Burley went down, Hunter went down. Um, right now, I'm not too confident. I think next year, Burley and Torrey Hunter will probably be off of it. Uh, Burley looks like he got a 5.8%, and Hunter got a 5.3%. So both guys went down, I think, honestly, 3%. Um, I think that their chances are just barely hanging on right now. I think next year they will be leaving Bobby Breo. He, he went down as well. So I really wonder if voters next year will have, um, a bigger palette to kind of look at with Bobby Breo. I think they were kind of thinking, you know, you'll barely squeeze on this year, but maybe when we get all these guys off of it next year, you'll have a better shot. Um, That's what I was thinking exactly. At, at, and maybe getting a little bit more of a, a focus of analyzing his career, um, taking a deeper, deeper dive into it. But Todd Helton, fourth year, he actually had a really good gain. He's now at 52% of the votes um, again in his fourth year. So he, of course, climbed up. He's actually one of the, um, I think he's one of the top three guys right now that is um, got the highest percentages. So yeah, he, of forward, course, yeah. is, is looking really good. I'm looking at Todd Helton probably for like a year, almost honestly, probably like year six through eight, somehow probably getting in there. But um, any thoughts on those four guys? Yeah, so I'll go ahead and talk about those first guys you mentioned. Uh, first, I'm glad that Hunter and Abreu live to see another year. I do agree exactly. that Hunter probably does not continue to gain very much. He might continue to, to slip away. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if that was the case. And, you know, um, I do think he deserves lots of credit, but I think that kind of makes sense. Uh, for Bobby Abreu, I still think that, you know, he has my vote yeah. going forward. Mm -hmm. So um, I am interested to see if he makes gains. I do think what you said is true. I think that since, you know, Ortiz now, of course, off the ballot as uh, an uh, induct inductee, and then Schilling, Sosa, uh, Bonds, and uh, Clemens off the ballot uh, as guys who did not make it, I think that really opens the door for hopefully more votes going to uh, more players like Abreu. Yeah, uh, just getting more consideration. Guys who are around like that, you know, the 7 to 8 to 9, 10% maybe can get up into the teens uh, next year. And then maybe the following year, if they can get into the 20s, then all of a sudden you're looking like you'll probably stick around for at least 10 years. Let's see what you can do in a decade. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm interested to see how that kind of develops. Um, yeah, I think that Burley is someone who we both don't really consider a Hall of Famer, but there are tons of people who are really big on him. So I think he is very is very uh, possible he slips off next year. But uh, I think it really comes down to, uh, you know, how the mindset of the voters 
is gonna exist because I've always been a ten vote guy. Like I almost yeah. always will use ten votes unless I really just don't see enough good names. Uh, if the voters next year go in and start doing this, like I'm gonna vote for two guys or something like that, <laughs> yeah. th- then those guys are gonna be screwed yeah. probably. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's a good point. Um, maybe, maybe there's honestly maybe a rule where you might say, I, I mean, it, it, they'd have to of course do a lot of changing it up but maybe if you'd say like okay here's 10 votes and you have to use all 10 or like yeah, your your, your ballot disqualified you yeah know? I, I don't i don't know if that's the answer but it, that that would definitely give a guy like a brady a much better shot yeah yeah uh moving to the middle column of course that's where uh, david ortiz was he of course we already talked about first ballot 77.9 uh but the three other guys that are going to be on the ballot next year it looks like uh andrew jones who just completed his fifth year on the ballot jeff kent complete his ninth year on the ballot andy pettit who completed his fourth year on the ballot i'll talk about pettit first he is in his fourth year he went down um of course the uh ped allegations all that stuff he is now he went down to a 10.7 so now he's creeping almost into that single digit mark which i feel like when you're getting into the middle years of the ballot and you're if you're close to single digits you got to have a lot of hope and uh, you, you got to pray for a miracle to get some of your votes elevated into that, at least that 30 to 50 percent range to somehow get it's you know, looking, closer, closer, closer to right. 75. But um, Pettit right now, um, it, it, again, it's not looking good for him. He's trending downwards. Uh, two guys, of course, that trended upwards this year, Andrew Jones and Jeff Kent. Uh, Andrew Jones at 41.4 so still has about five years left on the ballot he just completed his fifth year so hopefully again like you said people next year I think he's going to be a guy that honestly might take like seven to ten percent gains every single year he will be a buzzer beater in my opinion he will be a guy that will probably have to get in Larry Walker-esque exactly ninth or tenth season Um, I think we just got to analyze more about the defense that andrew jones is able to bring and then people will start to open their eyes and say okay this guy has to be a hall of famer i I do think that it's i'm interested to see how the voting pool could even change in five years like maybe next five years yeah more younger voters come in that really like the defensive metrics as well as the raw power being more important to them than the batting average i think the biggest stock against jones is batting average is like 260 career which uh an old school voter is going to say he was not a good hitter, but you which, know. you know, you kind of can pick your poison. I mean, you could yeah. get a guy that's just a great average guy and no power like a Lofton, or you can get a guy that's just going to be a great masher home run hitter, but not good batting. Average. And they can so, both have a case. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think there's definitely a lot of flexibility there. One guy that really scares me, Alex, because of course I've been voting for Kent for the past couple of years. I think he should get in. This is his ninth year. Next year's his 10th year. He's at 327 I don't think at all he's going to be getting wow. into the Hall of Fame. He will definitely, in my opinion, be a veterans committee. I don't think there's any way, shape, or form you can make up pretty much like you got one and a half of the votes you're getting right now. You can make it up in one year. Yeah, um, that'll be tough. If you're not above 50%, I can't see at all how you're going to get above right now. So Jeff can, of course, going up, but. Yeah, right now it's not looking good for uh, too good for Jeff Kent with a 32.7. So um, any thoughts again on Jones or Kent or Pettit for uh, summing up this column? Yeah, Pettit is someone who, if he was clean, I would love to get take a really deep dive and you know dive into the postseason success, dive into the peak seasons. I do have him above a guy like Burley. I think he's almost like if Burley was like 100%, a, was yeah. like a, a, a couple better peak seasons and also had a great postseason record. 
you know, we looked at Pettit last week a bit and we're looking at like the amount of games he's played in the postseason. It's like almost like a whole nother season or two he's played in the postseason. So um, I would give him tons of props, except the stuff he admitted to doing PEDs. And I think that uh, that almost ices it because he was not like a generational. He was never, you would say like, oh, he's a top three pitcher in baseball right now. That was never the vibe, I think, with him. And since you were doing steroids and you weren't even on that level, um, you'd have to be pretty dominant uh, on steroids to get in. So I think his momentum is halting uh, appropriately. I you know I don't think he falls down to five percent, but he's going to stay around that ten mark for a while probably. Totally agree. Yankees fans might keep him around a little bit, but uh, not for too long. Uh, Jeff Kent, I'm surprised that he finished with that low of a percentage this yeah. year. Uh, what I will say is that I don't think I had him on my ballot only because, like I said, I wish I had more than ten votes. But uh, Kent is someone who I would vote for if I had the opportunity. If I just could say yes or no, I'd say yes. I think his you know. The Most pa- home runs as a second baseman the, the of all power, time. The power numbers are super impressive at, considering the position. Um, obviously, uh, I almost had this thought, Travis. If you just played third base, would you vote him in? Because like it's like the defense, you know, probably wasn't special, and then like a 400 home runs is kind of more standard over there. But you know, I mean, it, it's it completely is comparing apples and oranges to say you know let's move their position. But um, I think for me, I just look definitely i i heavily look at the primary position at second base and he's able to hit almost 400 home runs at second base and 560 doubles kind of just an extra base hit machine at second base there have not been very many second basemen to provide this much offensive production that jeff kent was able to provide in his career so that's one way i really look at it as being such a terrific second base hitting uh, player that, you know, I mean, w- we really have not seen this kind of talent in, in a lot of second basemen in, in LA history. So that's why, of course, and also the MVP, um, an insane MVP season that he put together uh, for the for the San Francisco Giants. Also with teammates like Barry Bonds, who uh, easily probably could have won the MVP that season. Kent, of course, took it away and won it himself. So um he's i feel like he's not really a huge attractive name but i just look at the stats and the power he's providing at the second base spot um i can't see it but like you said if he was at first base or if he was at third base the numbers wouldn't be special i, I, I would probably not even see him being you know 20 percent of the vote in my opinion it's just kind of funny how the position really matters in my opinion and you know in, in my head and also i think a lot of the voters heads were um you know, comparing other second basemen, you're not going to have second basemen hitting, you know, 377 home runs most most of the time, at least. So right, no, that, that's very fair. Um, and five, oh, sorry, 55.5 career baseball reference WAR is definitely a really solid number to be at. There are tons of Hall of Fame second basemen who are, you know, well above that because there's so many old school, you know, Eddie Collins and uh, yep. Napolitois of the world that are just at yeah, over a hundred, but. Um, I still think being at 55.5 is very solid and deserves tons of uh, credit. Uh, so I hope he makes gains next year, but it's looking like it's going to be a no. Uh, it looks like he'll be an, a, an easy veterans committee kind of guy if he can get in there. So yeah, um, he, he can join. You know, I think he'll have. You know, you'll be able to take a look at him similar to like Edmonds and guys like that, definitely. kind of the same vein, similar era, and similar era, uh, yep. might be able to get some love on that on that committee. I yep. think that Jones we already kind of covered, but I do think he's trending in a good way. Uh, could be Larry Walker-esque and getting in late, Very true. ninth or tenth year, something like that. Of course, there's a chance he does not make it if he loses steam here. I think it really comes down to how do voters kind of perceive 
what he brought to the table because he yeah. brought to the table a very solid w- uh, walking ability, but not a good contact ability. Uh, had lots of pop, of course. Um, and, you know, everyone kind of always highlights how much he fell off in his later years of his career. Like after, after his, you know, 30, 31 season, he all of a sudden becomes, okay, like he is now yeah. no longer the same guy. Yeah. And they see that. And especially writers who were covering him at that time probably have a really negative taste in their mouth. So, um, it really comes down to how you value. And I really think that, you know, the war and the defense speaks for itself. So, uh, I will continue supporting him, but mm-hmm. I think there's a good chance it goes either way for Andrew Jones. And one thing about Andrew Jones too, is I think he, in year five, he's already way, way higher than what Larry Walker is at year five. I think Larry Walker honestly was in the low twenties year five. He, okay. he made some, I remember seeing a graphic and he made some insane strides the last three to four years uh-huh. in his in on, on his ballot because of the hype that people were showing and rightfully so you look at the numbers it's it's insane that what larry walker was able to do and what the voters were just not looking at or seeing so um that was definitely one that i was scratching my head on for the voters to really not put this guy in putting up those numbers that larry walker did it would have just been an absolute shame but moving on to the last column alex this actually had the least amount of um eliminations uh in this column we have a lot of guys that are going to be staying on uh so first guy up manny ramirez he uh is in his sixth year he is staying on a rod in his first year staying on scott Rowland, um the best trending guy so far right now for next year's ballot uh staying on in his fifth year jimmy Rollins staying on gary sheffield staying on in his eighth year Omar Vizquel staying on in his fifth year, but going down dramatically. And then Billy Wagner staying on and going up in his seventh year. Alex, I'll first talk to you about the first year guys, A-Rod and Rollins. Um, Rollins got 9.4% of the vote, which is somewhat of expected. Um, I thought he was actually going to get a teen, you know, somewhere in the teens for mm-hmm. percentage of voters. But, you know, at 9.4, that's not that's not terrible. I knew he, I think I definitely knew he was going to get 5% or higher. Um, and then Alex Rodriguez, 34.3. That is actually, in my opinion, a really good start for Alex Rodriguez because I'm pretty sure Bonds and Clemens started out in the teens or I'm not, I don't think it was single digits. I have to go back and look, but A-Rod at 34% is, in my opinion, just a, a very nice start for him. He, of course, will get a lot more... Um, analyst probably looking towards his numbers in the next nine years um where he can make just small kind of increment increases three percent increase increases almost every single year and you know you're gonna be getting near near, near that 70 percent range so talk to me about a rod and jimmy rollins yeah so interesting comparison i just pulled this up uh bonds's first year actually got 36 percent. 36 okay so with that in mind i i do think a rod has a better chance again than bonds yeah. but with that in mind uh, so bonds actually first year was 36 and then he went down to 34 then the next year back up to 36 so his first three years made no progress no he progress. went he went he uh went down and then back up to where he was so okay. i think a-rod probably doesn't do that i think a-rod probably gains some momentum i think that as time goes on people become more and more okay with steroid users getting in just because they uh i guess it's just more acceptable in the modern kind of thought because we know yeah. how good these guys were despite the steroids kind of where we know we know which guys were made by steroids and which guys were good despite them um so i do think that a-rod will continue to make progress uh you also mentioned manny ramirez um he's in a spot where i think it's becoming more and more unlikely he makes it he still has time of course but six year and a 28.9 percent yeah i think it's looking not positive for him uh overall uh 
he, you know, I think he's not likely to make a Larry Walker type run at this because Larry Walker, I think when you're a positive presence and like we only have like these good thoughts of you, nice guy, all this yep, kind of stuff. Exactly. It really helped Larry Walker gain traction with uh, the media uh, in those last few years. But a guy like Manny, I think people's minds are made up if they're, you know, people didn't vote for Larry Walker because of Coors or because of uh, they thought he was like, you know, missed a lot of games from injury or they thought, you know, um, he wasn't as elite as, as you may think. I think the deal with Manny is we know his numbers are elite. We just don't like that he failed so many drug tests. Like it failed a bunch. Failed bad like, attitude as well. Yeah, yeah. and and you know, we saw how bad his defense was in like some funny gaff moments. <laughs> yeah. So Manny being Manny, you know. So I think uh, people who don't like or people who aren't voting for him now, I feel like their mind is kind of made up. Much how it was for Bonds, I feel like Bonds couldn't get over the hump and Clemens because people's minds were just made up. I think for A-Rod, there's more room to grow. Uh, but I think Manny, I feel like people's minds are made up because we kind of know what he was. He yeah. was a really special hitter, but there's too many failed drug, drug tests there. Uh, moving on to Rollins, Travis, real quick. Um, yeah. I think that Rollins has room to grow. I He's hard to say. I could see him slipping a bit just like uh, Burley and Hunter and Abreu lost some votes because they were in that kind of same spot last year. But I can also see him making some gains. Uh, I do, I just think his offense was just not that special. Uh, I mean, it pretty clearly wasn't that special. If you look at his career, like OPS plus below 100, uh, so a below average hitter for his career. But uh, the defense is very good. The speed and the stealing bases is very good. And played for a long time, so got all those counting stats up. And uh, played for some good teams, some good Phillies teams. Um, and then even in his later years, still was impactful for other teams. So he definitely has a chance to kind of get some people on his side if, you know, uh, I guess the fans can get behind him. But I personally just think that it'll be hard to make a huge march forward when uh, all we have really to point to is, okay, like tons of doubles and steals because of your mm-hmm. counting stats. But like on a rate basis, percentage basis, um, Hard to be impressed, I'd just say. I, I agree with you on Rollins there. Um, 9.4, I think, is a good start for at least him. Um, you know, majority of his first-year class all being eliminated. Him and Alex Rodriguez uh, continue to stay on, while, of course, uh, other counterpart RTs is going to be in the Hall of Fame. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think with Manny, uh, Manny Ramirez, I think also the personality of, I would say, sometimes quitting on his team um, I know there was some. I, I know when it, when his time with the Red Sox ended, it was a very, it was a very bad moment. I think with him and the Red Sox. I remember there was a time. I, I it was. I don't know how it's clear in my head to this day, but they were play, Angels were playing at Boston. I think it was 2008, and there was a no hitter going. I think honestly, it might have been John Lackey or Kelvin Escobar, one of the Angels pitchers. And Manny hit a ground ball. I think it was to shortstop. And whoever the shortstop was, might have been Eric Ibar for the Angels, he bobbled it and was able to recover, throw it to second, get the out, and throw to first to get Manny out at first. And I think Manny was like halfway down the line. And they're like, you literally got out of the box and just started walking. And you could have beat out a double play. And, you know, it might be a tight ball game. And it's just kind of like, do you love the game? Do you love to play? You know, there's a difference between Manny and Mike Trout. Mike Trout, we've seen in late August, Angels are 20 games out of first place, and Mike Trout still spring down the line, beating out first, uh, beating out double plays. That is what's going to get Mike Trout 99% of the vote right there. It's, Voters it, are going to appreciate that. 
more than hitting 762 home runs. It's kind of a weird thing to look at, but voters will just look at integrity like that and just what kind of person you are by just showing yourself that way on the field, I think. The type of competitor, yeah, because there's different types of competitors, of course. Obviously, Manny wanted to be great. Yes. Yeah. He, he, was he went to the Dodgers and went off. <laughs> yeah, and he, he, he was mad at himself for grounding out like that, and he didn't, uh, I guess, have his head in the mindset of, I'm going to do everything I can to you know, beat this out. Um, whereas someone like Mike Trout is, I guess, more of the mindset of, you know, every day is a new day. I'm helping my team try to win. Yeah. 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 Every single play is a chance to uh, help the situation. So uh, I, I do think that Manny, I think you're right. That nailed it um, because that's the taste we have in, in our mouth of him. Yeah. We kind of, with him, we know who he was, at least in our minds. And I don't think that's going to really change. That's why I feel like it's going to be hard for him to make a lot of big games. But, um, yeah. Uh, anyone else we want to highlight, Travis, I guess? Yeah. I mean, on that list, I know we talked about Manny. He made, of course, uh, a slight increase in his sixth year. So he went up. Um, one guy, of course, we uh, also two guys, of course, that went up as well. Um, and these are also the two of the top three left, as well as Todd Helton, as I guess the highest percentage voters, guys that are above 50 percent right now. And that is Scott Rowland, 63.2 in his fifth year and Billy Wagner, 51% in his seventh year. So let's talk about Scott Rowland first. 10% about away uh, from getting in, and he's got five more years left. So Looking really good if, for his case. If he gets 2% every year, that'll kind of just cruise him practically to uh, Cooperstown. So Scott Rowland, of course, is looking very, very good. Honestly, I'm estimating, honestly, in the next year or next two years, he will probably be in, um, depending, of course, on the classes that come next and kind of the depthness there. But Scott Rowland's looking very, very good. He made some very good strides. I think he had, like, honestly, a 10% increase to his uh, last voting in last year. So wow. Scott Rowland got a lot of good uh, votes there. And then, of course, Billy Wagner went up as well. I think he went up about 4%. So now he breaks the 50% mark. He's at 51 uh, looks like, yeah, three years left for Billy Wagner. We'll see what he can do to kind of get the last quarter of the voters to get on his side, to get him into Cooperstown. Um, again, I, I think it's just kind of a, I think it's a damn shame when we just are kind of looking at some of these relievers as, you know, not being a complete ball player. Um, uh, when we all know what their position is, it's to go out there and shut down games, but, we're just not giving them the respect. Um, I know me and you have debated over it and we've talked about it. Billy Wagner stuff. I mean, he's shown to be better than Trevor Hoffman and have tre Trevor Hoffman, of course, has the saves number, which of course is kind of like wins. You just got to be put into a special situation yep. where you can deliver, but looking Play at Billy for a Wagner, long time, yeah. you look at the advanced stats, you look at some of those percentage stats, lockdown, the strikeouts are some of the best in major league baseball history so for me it's kind of hard to see why someone like him has not been um given such higher much much higher respect um looking at his uh status on the ballot anything i talk about with roland and wagner yeah so uh yeah both both wagner and roland i think are guys who i'm voting for every time i think Definitely. every single year until they're either in or they're off uh i think that they need all the help they can get because they really deserve it in my mind um roland is someone who just based on name recognition, 
a lot of people might not think he's a Hall of Famer, but just go look at the numbers, and it's very clear in my mind at least. 70 war. 70 war. You played great <laughs> defense. Defensive guru. <laughs> yeah, the defensive war numbers are crazy. The defensive runs saved. The Even the gold gloves, if you if you care about that stuff, uh, the silver sluggers. Um, but overall, Travis, I think that just being a complete player at third base, which is an underrepresented position. If you look on like the war leaderboards, everyone above him, everyone above him is in the Hall of Fame, uh, unless you, of course, it's steroids, like, uh, or, or you're not on the ballot yet, like a Beltray. But overall, I think the case is pretty clear for him. He's going to continue making gains. Would love to see him in the next a couple years, like you said. Uh, for Wagner, uh, like just like Roland, pretty much uh, an underrepresented position, being closing pitcher, relief pitcher, uh, only six, I believe, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, primary primary relievers that made the cut so i think there needs to be more and wagner there's just no doubt looking at his numbers and his peak seasons and how good his career era plus is and he it's not like he played like 12 years like a papal bond and like had a crazy era plus he traveled to different teams i think it's like a 16 season career something like that but um yeah was really good played into his upper 30s so for me that's you, you did your job uh probably the most dominant lefty closer ever um at least up there on that list so because of that, I think that Wagner for sure uh, deserves uh, all the credit. And hopefully, he continues to make these gains. And uh, and I think know. honestly, if you had, like we said, when we made our top uh, MLB teams, if you had to make a starting twenty-five with a regular, you know, seven to you know seven-man bullpen, and you know you need righties and lefties, he has to be there. Wag- I mean, I, even without that, Wagner's sure. going to be in. Sure, sure. <laughs> I and, mean, and if the you're, stats if, are so good. And if you're on the all-time MLB, you know lineup or whatever like you're, how are you how are you not a hall of yeah I mean, imagine being the only guy not being in the hall of fame on that on that rotation which and is kind of the insane. problem is Charles. i think a lot of old school voters they might put in a i don't even know like, like a, maybe like a, I, a raleigh fingers instead of him which raleigh fingers might deserve to be in that team but like i think my team is gonna hit some home runs off fingers and you guys are gonna touch <laughs> wagner so exactly that's all i'm saying exactly exactly uh so of course roland wagner gaining some votes um, and then the last two guys that uh, are still on the ballot for next year, Gary Sheffield, Omar Vizquel. Gary Sheffield in his eighth year, 40.6. So he's honestly a little bit, a little bit higher than halfway there. But of course, it's kind of like Kent, year eight. He has to make up about 35% of the vote. Um, it's not looking good right now for him, of course, at all. 35% in two years. Um, you'll have to get about 17 to 18% every single season to get up to 75. Um, and he actually made no gains and no losses this voting. So he actually stayed right put. Exact. Wow. So right exact, no percentage change at all. So Gary Sheffield at 40.6. And then Omar Vizquel, uh, the one that fell off the most uh, with the, uh, I guess, the domestic abuse charges that's been happening. Um, another guy that kind of just, you, you can't really keep yourself together after MLB career is over and, now you're getting just kind of penalized for the the person you've become after yeah. baseball, which I can see people agreeing with and also de- d- disagreeing with. But um, I guess when you kind of get some of these charges, you kind of look and say, okay, that just kind of makes you kind of a crappy person. But right. um, Omar Vizquel in his fifth year, uh, he went down. Now he's at 23.9. So Omar Vizquel, honestly, I think he's, he's kind of like Pettit. He's just he's kind of just diving down. And I, there's really nothing that's probably going to save them to ever get them in. Um, they will probably be headed to veterans committee, but then again, those kind of guys, I, I, I never even thought of Omar Vizquel as a hall of famer. Some people do with the defense, but, um, the batting is just not there played I, for a really long yeah, time. So I, you got a lot of hits. I, I but. think people are just obsessed with the glove and the 
almost 3,000 hits. But Even though his average is not even that good. So Exactly. Even though hits are high, doesn't mean you're a good contact hitter. Um, but yeah, I think I completely agree on Vizquel. Uh, those losses pretty much eliminate him from ever getting in. Yeah. I think his perception in the media has completely changed because of you know the you know the charges against him as well as um i mean i don't i mean just in terms of the baseball numbers i think that his hit what he was good at i guess is probably less favorable these days than ever before right like uh as time goes on uh people care more and more about power um of course there's great players who are only contact hitters like you said lofton ichiro suzuki like guys without the pop can still be all-time greats but uh if you don't have a power element to your game at all you have to be special in other ways i think he does not make the cut with his uh, batting average is on base never being super special so um i agree that he you know deserves to take some losses and he definitely lost a lot of uh lost a lot of votes this last uh, voting cycle so i expect him to you know have no shot pretty much definitely 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 honestly right now looking at the rest of the guys on this list alex i mean you got to be happy if you're a todd helton fan a billy wagner fan and a scott roland fan i'm at least happy because those are three guys that i have been voting for for at least this year i would i would say jones fans even like that, that too yeah, yeah. over 40 percent, right yeah over 40 yeah. percent in uh his in a, fifth in a, year in a good spot exactly so uh definitely some good high points for uh a lot of these players uh alex i made a list of course of the 2023 players that are going to be coming on excellent um it's 10 new players coming in um i would not say a packed class um they of course have some very good names players that we love to watch uh you know and, and these are players that I, at least started off when we were just getting into watching the game and of course we got to see a lot of their careers uh so starting it off we have carlos beltran uh of course known for playing for the royals a little bit of houston but mainly for the mets there yep. he was a new york met outfielder then we have matt kane who was uh had a good had a good prime with the, the, the san francisco giants uh really helped them uh in a lot of those world series championships but he's a second guy third guy andre ethier the dodger john lackey Angel, Red Sox, Cub, Cardinal, uh, a lot of different places, but uh, one actually a uh, multiple amount of championships and was a good a good pitcher, uh, good primetime pitcher, I would say. Uh, next up, Mike Napoli, another Angel and also Red Sox and Indian and Ranger. Uh, Johnny Peralta, Indian and Tiger. Uh, K-Rod, Francisco Rodriguez will be on the ballot next year. Angel, beloved by both you know you and me. Uh, another angel closer with also uh, being an A's closer and Padres closer, Houston Street on the ballot next year. Uh, and then the last two, we have Jared Weaver, Angel, of course, and Jason Worth, uh, National Philly, uh, just kind of a, I would say just a above average right fielder um, that had had some good seasons. And uh, actually, I think he got one of the sad to say i think he got one of the most like overrated contracts in baseball history because he was a guy that i think got like 180 million and people were just mm. screaming and saying what are the nationals doing paying mm. this guy this much money because i think he had yeah. a really good postseason in 2008 or 7 with the phillies but um alex those 10 guys uh of course like i said a lot of good players not hall of fame players of course but good players on that list um i guess i'll talk about two players that i really think have the best shot of course at getting five percent or higher um and for me that's carlos beltran and it's going to be francisco rodriguez so of course i'll cover beltran um for me beltran's biggest and something that's going to really hold him back is i think the last year of his career with the houston astros absolutely um that 
This will be so interesting because it will finally be the first test of voters looking at an Astro on that team. And I think a lot of people are saying kind of the mastermind I think it, yeah. of the plan. <laughs> the, the rumor is that he like either brought it from an old team or they revamped it in Houston. But he, I think he was really struggling and wanted to remain a good player. And they, they say that he kind of started off the whole trend of the trash can and trying to steal signs. Uh, honestly, Travis, my take on it, I think without the the accusations of the him being a big part of that scheme, yep. there's a really good chance that he makes some serious traction because he's I think he's like top like 15 all time in like center fielder war. He's 70 a, war, a lot of really yeah. impressive and, and w- was pretty five tool in his prime. Like a lot to like about his peak numbers and and also look at two 435 homers as a center fielder with 27 uh 2725 uh yeah 2725 hits in his career as well so uh you know i wouldn't say almost almost flirting with 3500 home runs as a center fielder which yeah over 500 position, over 500 nice. yeah over 550 doubles over 300 steals like really put up a lot of really good numbers um a cur- wait oh a 65 playoff games his uh his slash line was 307 412 609 with 15 doubles, 16 homers. That's really a special postseason player. 1,000 or higher OPS, which is, that's incredible. This article says he's ninth in center fielder Jaws behind seven Hall of Famers and Mike Trout. So that right there, Travis, tells me that there's a really good chance he should be a Hall of Famer, if not for the sign stealing. Yeah. For me, I don't know why. I guess I'm biased too. I feel like I give a lot of the credit for the Astro stuff to him. I think maybe it's too much of a percentage. I feel like when Altuve... Gets a chance on the on the on the ballot, and you know we'll see what Correa and Bregman and and uh, and others do in their career. But um, I think that Beltran, I give more blame than any of them, even though those guys were like the better players. That they're more the face of it, right? Because we saw how good they were when they had the trash can scheme going. Yeah. Beltran, yep. uh, if you're the face of it and you implemented it, and then uh, I heard that he wanted to continue like moving on to his, you know. It, I mean, he the almost, Mets manager. He almost he almost <laughs> became a coach the next year, so that, that's really or like a couple years later. So that's that's really crazy. But um, I really give him tons of you know of the negative credit for that. I don't know if I'll. Vo- I think he wouldn't get my vote because of that. But we'll have to see when the time comes. Um, Definitely. I mean, there's really not a lot of weaknesses to his game. And even looking at the postseason, right. you want to talk about postseason numbers. I mean, you're looking at some of the best. I mean, when you have a 300 or higher average with a 400 or higher on base and a 600 or higher slugging. 300, 400, 600 in in like half a season worth of postseason yeah, games. Yeah. I, I mean, that right there is really incredible. Um, and I, I think we all pointing back to that 2004 uh, Houston, uh, you know, postseason that he had with them. Uh, both series in the NLDS and the NLCS, Alex, his OPSs were above 1500. That's crazy. So, I mean, I mean, you can't really speak too much volume that, that, that's, that's me. It's just incredible. But Carlos Beltran is a name that definitely will. I definitely think we'll get 5% of the vote. Uh, I would in, think in, in next year, it'll be interesting, but he, like he said, last year of his career, age 40, and that could be the season that really screwed everything up. It's kind of crazy that a guy like him, who if he just didn't if, if he just would have just said you know I, I'll, I'll accept and i will not be a world series champion but i'm gonna i'm, I'm not gonna risk it like this you know I, I think people would be looking at him a lot different i think that the last season could really be a nail biter for him yep um which is is kind of a crazy thing to think about but um going off that the second player that i think will be the most interesting and honestly 
I firmly believe I think he'll get 5% of the vote or higher, and that's Francisco Rodriguez K-Rod. And I think he will get 5% or higher because he has the single season saves record. I think that record speaks to a lot of voters, and I think that that's going to show a lot of voters that, hey, this guy actually did something that any other relief pitcher in baseball history has never done, and that is 62 saves in a season, also being in the 400 saves club and also being fourth all time. Fourth all time is big. And so that is something that Joe Nathan does not have. That is 62 in one season. And I think that that will be honestly, a a lot of voters will see that as being uh, a record in a single season and they have to give him 5% in my opinion. So thoughts on uh, K rod, at least for that. Yeah. I do think that Francisco and my mind is, I mean, he's going to get my vote. I'll just tell you right now. I mean, I, I definitely have a bias for him, but yeah. I do think that just the numbers are too good. I am more closer friendly than the average person, but he was a big part of a 2002 Angels World Series. I think a closer being a big part of a World Series team is always going to help your case, even though back then he was a setup man, which is, you know, kind of adds to like the mystery behind his, you know, his, uh, his career. Um, but yeah, being a setup man in a, a World Series ring, uh, continuing to be great for the Angels, leading uh, leading American League in, in saves three times as an Angel, and of course set the record in 08. Got third in Cy Young voting that year. Got sixth in MVP voting. Uh, a closer to get that high in MVP voting in the 2000s is really rare. Usually really rare. you see that in like the 80s and stuff or the 70s, but uh, K-Rod was putting up monster numbers, of course. Um, the innings pitched is more than a guy like Wagner. Uh, the saves are, you know, tops all time top four all time i think that there's a really strong case to be made one thing that you know uh you can look at is that towards the end of his career the era plus numbers kind of tailed off a bit but you know even as a 24 year old in his 15th season was still putting up a nice like 3.24 era 34 year old Huh? 34-year-old 15th? Yeah. Okay. What did I say? 24. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, damn, this guy started out as age five, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, in Detroit, was still putting up a really respectable, like, 132 ERA plus at age 34. So um, even though he kind of faded out towards the end, like all pitchers are gonna, he still was putting up uh, really good numbers um, till the end of it. Like, Charles, it's crazy. Uh, in his last four seasons, he had over uh, – 38 saves in three of them which is uh he he was really kind of you don't think about that yeah. he was really being a, a closer to the to the bitter end which i don't think saves at the end all be all i think i'm just as impressed by a setup man who has a better era plus than the closer you know that's yeah. that's also equally great but i just do think that you know he was a great strikeout pitcher especially when he was young um I think seeing his slider, Travis is one of my favorite pitchers ever. Just yeah. it would wipe out, and guys did not know what to do because the heater was so yeah they respected as well. So I think overall, I love K Rod's case. I think I'll be making a case for him next year when we do our ballots. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. I I, I sincerely hope he gets over five percent because I do think he could set a path for guys like Kenley, for guys like Chapman to probably get in someday if K-Rod can make a nice path for them. I do think that a lot of these closers deserve more credit. So we'll see how the trends in the future. Yeah, and I definitely, it's 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 kind of a worry sometimes seeing that Nathan got 4.3. Yeah. And you can really make a good comparison with Nathan and K-Rod. I just think that it, it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a stupid thing to look at. But I think just the 62 saves in one season, the record, the single season saves for... K-Rod will propel him to 5% 
already. So um, I'm confident that he'll be on the ballot after 2023. But, you know, seeing a guy like Nathan not get 5%, um, it is discouraging to see, uh-huh. you know, a guy that was so good. Top, you could even make a case, you know, top five when it came to the advanced stats. Joe Nathan's one of those guys, even ERA pluses. He was a top three guy um, in ERA plus. So um, we'll see about that with, uh, you know, with K-Rod and Carlos Beltran. But any of the guys, Alex, Matt Cain, Ethier, Lackey, Napoli, Peralta, Houston Street, Weaver, and Worth. Do you see any of those guys as making some push to at least get 5%? Like I said, good players, in my opinion, nowhere close to being the, you know, having a plaque in Lincecum, Howard Fielder kind of players mm. where they had MVPs or a lot of MVP seasons, but, you know, just never really made the cut. So at see any of those guys at, at all getting near 5%. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's hard to say. I, I do think that there's a lot of guys that you mentioned that don't get enough credit. Like, you know, Matt Cain, of course, being a big part of the the beginning of that uh, San Francisco Giants, you know, World Series trifecta in, in five years, a big reason for that success. Lackey Travis is someone who, of course, I'm going to like as an angel. Game but seven. But yeah, <laughs> you're a rookie who wins. I think only rookie ever to win in Game 7 of the World Series yep. is John Lackey in 2002. Goes on to be a great pitcher with the Angels, even has an American League ERA title in 07. Um also had the best uh, ERA plus at 150 in uh, in the American League that season. After that goes to Boston, ends up being very serviceable, not dominant in any way, but um, being a solid average pitcher. Then goes on to uh, St. Louis and finishes up in Chicago, where, of course, he was on the 2016 team, was an important yep. piece of that. Had a bit of a revival in age 36 and 37 of his career with St. Louis and Chicago. Being back to a well above average, like guy who deserves some all-star consideration, didn't get it. One thing I will say, Travis, is only one all-star appearance in the career seems wrong. That seems yeah. like it's a low number. Yeah. I think he deserves more than just the one. Um, although his strength probably was more about being consistently above average versus being really high peaks. I do think I have him, you know, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I was going to say I might give him a vote, but I, I, it'll be really difficult to say that. I think that he probably doesn't get the 5%, even though I wish I wish he would. I think that, you know, he's got a workhorse element to him, but only only having 37.3 war, like that's like, that's like uh, two-thirds of Burley's war, and Burley yeah. was like a 5%er this year, so I really see John Lackey probably not making it. Um, and still, I mean, I, I think people look at also wins, and and they say, you know, you, you don't even reach 200 wins. Um, not that, even 200 with, wins. With having an ERA that high, and you don't have that many wins, um, yeah, there's there's certain stats that people look at that I think that, you know, oh, you're, you're over 200 wins, okay, we're definitely going to make a deeper dive into, into looking at how, you know, you compare with others in the Hall of Fame, but three world series is definitely interesting he just kind of won wherever he went kind of thing but exactly and i think you could say 2002 he was effective but i think he just got put in a situation where um game seven he just he he brought his stuff that night um and, and, and at least the entire playoffs he was pitching very very well um you know it looks like he got seven innings in the alcs and then three innings in the alds but um i think probably pitching out of the pen a little bit of the time but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think for us, we definitely will always love him. And I mean, he's a guy that is kind of just an angel forever. But uh, yeah, you kind of look at, you know, playing for the Red Sox and the Cubs he probably wasn't at his best in those uh, at those times, but just was kind of in the right team at the right time. But um, yeah, 
definitely a very uh, interesting guy to look at. I think Weaver also is someone who I love to give credit to, but it's a different story completely from Lackey. Whereas Weaver had these really good like peak seasons. He was top five in Cy Young in three straight years for the American League as an angel. He fell off really young, only has a 12-year career. I think he also has probably no shot of getting to the 5%, even though I like him a lot and think he deserves tons of credit. Uh, a 111 ERA plus on the career with only 12 seasons played, I don't think it's going to cut it. So. Not at all, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also look at it, yeah, 12 seasons played, and I think the last three seasons, 15 to 17, um, nothing to really be too proud about with those seasons. And I mean, I, for me, it's kind of like if you can't even put together 10 years of good seasons, then you probably really aren't even, you know, close to being a Hall of Famer. So uh, that that's kind of my take on Weaver. It sucks to say. I, I was looking at him today, and I was like, man, could I really put a case for Weaver? But um, I think missing some of those Cy Youngs in 2010 to 2012 um, will definitely come back to kind of bite him with some of the voters. So, And I do think the other names you mentioned, like a Johnny Peralta, um, I think like a Jason Worth, I think there's just not enough. The peaks aren't good enough, and the accumulation is not good enough. I really see it those guys are struggling to get you know more than a few percent so um i'm gonna lean towards let, let, let's, let's let's just make our opinion let's call it who is gonna get over five percent uh i'm gonna say it's gonna be beltron and k-rod and no one else w- would you agree oh yeah 100 i had that on my list too i had all okay. all, all other eight guys are below and beltran and k-rod are the only guys i can even make like somewhat of a consideration a serious can consideration when looking and analyzing them but um and, and that's what next year is going to be really crazy about because, if, if I mean, we're already kind of making our picks for next year. If A, these guys are kind of just easy eliminations, I feel if, like that gives a lot of voters the right to look at Roland, Helton, Wagner, some of these guys that, you know. Hopefully all those guys who vote for zero can actually say, you know, let, let me look at some of these guys. And, 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 and I mean, I I mean, for me, I actually I, I would disagree with you when you say to use all 10 votes. I'm cool if you use six votes, if you use seven votes, but zero votes to me is just you look at this ballot there is a hall of famer on this ballot and so that's what really upsets there's too many me when, great careers when you have you have guys that circle even you know some guys even only only x'd out four votes and that to me is still kind of like you have more votes left than you use and that that's kind of just there are guys who you didn't pick that are have much better careers than guys who have plaques in Cooperstown. Like, exactly. I know not everything is about being fair, but how is it fair to this exactly. guy when exactly. you know exactly. how good no, he was? And like I go, like I go back. There are so many votes I saw today where you know you don't pick, uh, you pick Bonds, Clemens, you pick Sosa, you pick Sheffield, but you don't pick Arod. You know, I, I really don't know where you can kind of go. At least when you explained your voting in the last episode, you had a good point with these guys are kind of just. They took steroids, but they're inner circle anyways. They're kind of they're, they're kind of just they're just different, you know. Yeah. I mean, you really can't compare them to many other players in LV history, where Manny and also Sheffield, if they didn't take steroids, or you know, if if they were just kind of clean and were not linked to anything in their whole career, they might be sitting at like 430 home runs, you know, something like an Andrew Jones, but just awful defense. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it it'll be it'll be fun to kind of look at the next couple of years. Uh, I know. Uh, the Hall of Fame website actually goes all the way to I think 2027. They actually have a list of the players that just retired this year, and it's it's kind of funny. I think it's 20, 2027. Or I think yeah, 2027. But um, you already see Kyle Seeger's name That's, on, on the 2027 eligible, and it's just like. 
that just seems like an eternity away right now. So um, you can definitely take a look at the players that will be eligible coming up for next year all the way till 2027. They already have guys, like I said, five years out because you have to wait five years after retirement. So um, it's kind of cool to start analyzing guys. Um, and you could also, I mean, a great way to look at it too is you can say, man, the next three classes are super weak. This could be huge for a guy like Scott Rowland, for Helton, for Wagner. I mean, he Wagner has three years left. The yeah. classes are so weak. This is going to give guys a lot better chance to look at a guy like Billy Wagner and say, okay, I have to put him down because, I, you know, he, he definitely brings all the statistics that make him a Hall of Famer and should be a Hall of Famer. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's gonna be really interesting, and and I, I definitely got like a Rod will get I think a lot more consideration now, and, and um, those debates will really get heated I think in the next you know five years that we talk about start you know Alex Rodriguez is tracking more and more higher towards uh, a seventy five percent. So and I think Bonds and Clemens and Sosa being off could in a couple years help a Rod because right now voters might say oh I'm not voting for Bonds I hate Bonds I'm not voting for Bonds. And A-Rod's here, so A-Rod cheated too, so I can't vote for A-Rod. Maybe in a few years when those other guys, the other steroid guys are off, but it's just A-Rod there, they might say, okay, well, A-Rod actually, you know, even in Seattle, he was a really, really good player. Um, I have a weird feeling that A-Rod will get in. I, I, just, I think he will. I just have a feeling that in years 7 through 10, he'll get in. I think that, I think people are just going to say, you know what, screw it. Just, just get him in. I, I think, honestly, what he's doing now with Sunday Night Baseball and also with Fox, I think that's I think that's really helping him. I think it's kind of a genius move that he was saying to himself, "I might as well, I might as well try to be this, this likable guy, you know." Yeah. And and everyone can hear my voice every single Sunday night and during the playoffs. And I got like Bonds. I know he was a hitting coach for Miami, um, which, <laughs> which, which, which was the the funniest thing was uh, when D Gordon was alleged for steroid use, and people were saying. Bonds is your hitting coach and you're giving steroids to the freaking like guy yeah. that weighs 180. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's almost like Bonds was a D Gordon looking guy to when he started his career and he probably was like, Hey, you want to look like me, D Gordon, and, and juice up? And you could probably hit 60 home runs in a season because you're a good contact guy. But um yeah, I I mean I think A-Rod is literally doing something very smart with, you know, trying to win the fans back and trying to win the media back. And I think with Bonds, he kind of just went out into the dark and we didn't really hear or see him that much. And so that guy think kind of hurts him a little bit. So yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting how, how the next classes will be elevating. I think some of these players. Yeah. I'm also leaning towards a rod probably getting in, uh, in his, you know, 10 years on the ballot. I think that what he's doing to rehabilitate his image is helping. I think that a lot of like people on Twitter and like new media people think that he's kind of like corny and like, maybe yeah. like, uh, maybe Doesn't a, know what he's talking about maybe, maybe like <laughs> even a bit fake. Like he's just kind of like being super fake, friendly, fake, nice. Well, but, you call when you call Carlos Correa, the LeBron James of the MLB, I think you, you're, you're just kind of wiling out. I, I think you just were, you, you just couldn't think of something at the moment and you just had to say something that will we'll just catch the seek, eye. Yeah. Seek catch the attention the, of the audience. So yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. We agree on that. I think that, you know, A-Rod overall, what he's doing is helping his image, but I do think, uh, it will not go in vain. I think it'll help him more than a guy like Bonds. You know, if Bonds, you know, I mean, A-Rod is not going to be the face of steroids the way Bonds was. I think that will help him. And his numbers are just like uh, so impressive. Like top two shortstop all time in uh, in war. If you want to make him a third baseman, I think he might have the most or second most if he's a third baseman. So uh, it's too special to completely ignore. 
in my mind. Uh, I'm excited to see how he tracks, if he can gain some ground next year with those kind of weaker additions to the overall voting pool. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, looking at this summer, um, seven people inducted in this summer's uh, induction class. Uh, sadly, four, of course, are passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bud Fowler, Buck O'Neill, um, way, way long ago. I mean, yep. these guys were born in the 19th century. So uh, these guys were just, uh, they're being inducted in as they, I think they call it pioneer slash executives. Yes. Um, so I believe, kind of, Buck, Buck, I believe Buck O'Neill was very influential in like establishing Negro Leagues and that kind of okay. stuff. Okay. Uh, two, yeah, both those guys in. And then of course, Gil Hodges, great first baseman for the Brooklyn and LA Dodgers. Uh, he, of course, uh, passed away, I believe, in the 70s. So um, it's been, yeah, 50 years now since, uh, you know, he's been, I think, playing, you know, been around. So he, of course, will get his plaque. And then also Minnie Minuso, uh, a great Latin-born player that played for the Chicago White Sox, a good contact hitter. Uh, he passed away, I believe, in 2015. So his plaque, of course, will be enshrined in Cooperstown. I don't I'm trying to think of guys like this in the past that have passed away. I don't know if family, family members were speak or if they kind of just have uh, a guy like Brian Kenny or an analyst kind of just give him a, a quick description because I know sometimes these speeches can get really, really long with some of these guys. And I couldn't imagine seven if seven guys were still alive. I think the Hall of Fame induction would probably be like a five hour like ceremony because it would just be guys giving, you know, 45 minute speeches. But right. um, four guys, of course, that will not be there, but their plaques will be put up. But three guys that will be there, of course, are Jim Cat, uh, best known for being a Minnesota twin. Tony Oliva, uh, again, Minnesota twin, and Big Poppy, David Ortiz. A big day for Minnesota twins because Big Poppy, first six years, was were in Minnesota. So um, it, it, I just kind of realized that, that it's going to be a, a, probably a lot of Minnesota twins fans in Cooperstown this summer and, of course, Boston Red Sox as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, Jim Cat, Oliva, and Ortiz, three guys that will be talking and making their speeches this summer. Um, I think everyone, of course, is just going to be most interested to hear about David Ortiz's speech because – um, what a crazy career. I saw some video today, Alex. It was, I think back in like the, the late nineties when David Ortiz was a single a player. And oh, I, I saw that you saw that too. Yeah. And he literally challenged Griffey and a rod to a home run derby competition. And I guess just completely like wiped the floor with them. I wow. Mean, I mean, he, I, I, I remember there's quotes of a rod on the field and a rod was like, a sophomore or a rookie in MLB and you know Griffey was just getting into his prime and they're just like who is this guy that's just killing the baseball and is David Ortiz that literally is just a young David Ortiz that was playing in some I think it was Minnesota or Wisconsin trip or single a team club or something like that but uh pretty remarkable that a guy like that and that he becomes a hall of famer and a great um and kind of just a I would, I think a brother to kind of like Alex Rodriguez I know him and A-Rod are, are very good friends and very good friends on and off the field um you know, when when I, when I think of Big Poppy, I think of just so many battles with Mariano, Jeter, Absolutely. Alex Rodriguez, just those insane Red Sox-Yankees rivalry games. So, uh, yeah, really good class this 2022. And then, of course, again, we're always going to be looking forward to 2023 and seeing, you know, what some of these players are starting to trend and how these new guys are going to fare with the votes. But anything else, I guess, to kind of talk about for this year's ballot right now? No, I think that pretty much wraps everything up, Travis. Um, you know, it's exciting. The Hall of Fame season is, you know, was upon us, but now it's all over with. Hopefully we can 
transition into some baseball stuff. I think a next episode, Travis will start diving into some of the CBA stuff. They actually met on back-to-back days this Monday, this last Monday and Tuesday, which is super, you know, good news that at least they're determined to make progress in a more timely fashion versus just meeting, uh, like two weeks, three weeks apart uh, between meetings. Let's, you know, let's pick up the pace. I think they sense up at least a little bit of urgency. Um, I know they still have a lot of differences in what they're proposing, but that gap will continue to narrow going forward. Um, so we'll start covering some of the stuff that they're discussing next week. And then maybe we can also start um, discussing the 2022 MLB season and uh, seeing how we see things start to shape up. Of course, free agency still has to continue and resume. There's still so many guys on the block that are ready to sign somewhere. And we have to just kind of wait patiently. But I'm excited to see where things are going to head, Travis. So um, that pretty much wraps up this week. If you made it this far, uh, we appreciate your support as always. And we'll talk to you guys very soon. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.